Welcome to a football show, Thursday edition. Hope everybody's having a wonderful week. We've got a little bit more draft coverage for you guys. He is Zach. I am Braden. Welcome to the show. Jump into the comments, of course, brought to you by Sinker's Beverages, the best liquor store in Nashville in 2022. Already off to a raring start. Scientifically the best. It's facts. It's facts. Scientifically, the number one liquor store in Nashville and uh, in 2022, and off to a pretty good start, earning their way to to defend that crown. Kingston Group as well. Build Look at this fancy new 440 logo you have on the Twitter side over here. You like that? What do you think? Do. What do you think about that? I like it, but I, you know, I wish I had it for our for our craft. No, no, no. That's just for social media. So it's, it's oh, our social. Gotcha. It's our new social media logo. I like um, it. No, thanks for hanging out, of course. Thanks for joining us. Here's what we're going to do on the show today. Uh, why gambling should be legalized. I think you and I are pro-gambling, but there's a story unfolding with Alabama that I think is one of the like most crystal clear examples of why gambling should be legal. And uh, it's going to be, and, and it, I, I am utterly okay. fascinated with the well, entire let me story. Say because when you say that, it sounds like, it sounds differently than what you're gonna actually <laughs> side on. It's you know, but okay. so so I think everybody needs to stay to the very end because you have to. I think it's gonna the the, the wording that Braden is and the side he's gonna pick is gonna blow your fucking mind. Blow, which very rarely happens for me. Yeah. I know you blow minds regularly. Uh, I just I I have to work hard for it, so it doesn't come naturally. So we'll do that later on in the show. We'll take we'll take a quick glance. I know we're gonna spend some more time on this as the offseason progresses. We'll take a quick glance at the AFC draft classes, the Colts, uh, and t- talking about blowing people's minds, like the phrases and the words that Zach will use in the same sentence as another franchise in the AFC South, never before seen in the wild. So you're going to check that out. Uh, that's t- another good conversation. It's, we'll dive. It's been interesting to see, like, just in terms of the AFC South this year, who may have been possibly the problems that weren't the problems that we all thought they were. <laughs> there you go. Okay, I think I follow. I follow where yeah. you're going there. You'll, you'll, what, you'll get it. You'll get it. I smell what you're stepping in, but good things to tune into later on in the podcast and in the show. Uh, of course, if you're watching on uh, YouTube as well, we appreciate you guys. D. Good Trey for already commenting. We appreciate you guys. We're going to touch on uh, the last four draft picks. We spent a ton of time on Will Levis and Peter Skaronsky on the last Hard two episodes. To talk about that. Uh, right. So we spent a ton of time setting expectations on for those two players. I think some setting some of expectations, and it's less uh, about the other four players in the draft class, far less about value and strategy within the draft and how it unfolded and more like, all right, well, what do we actually have and what are expectations for some of these players uh, as we enter rookie camp coming up in a couple of weeks, but all four Titans uh, or four Titans uh, spoke to the media, Ryan Tannehill included Aaron Brewer, Chickaconquo and Roger McCreary. Uh, We will get to what they had to say because some big changes, no quote, big differences, huge changes coming from the Titans offense. And so we will get to that. That's going to be the majority of the first part of the show today. Again, Kingston Group, Build KG. I know you have some 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 uh, personnel news and some questions off the top of the show, so we'll get to that. But Kingston Group, BuildKG.com, of course, locally owned and operated, award-winning uh, custom home and remodeling firm. So make sure you check them out if you make before you make any big decisions about your house. D Good wants more Levis content. I have a feeling we're in the market for we're in the market of Levis content for like the next three years. So I think you're going to get plenty of that. Uh, but Kingston Group, of course, and then Sinker's Beverages go into the, the store. I was in there last night. Um, here's the thing. I've saved so much money not being a wine person. Oh, yeah. Like, I, first off, stick to the Marlboro region and get the, the, uh, the what? Marlboro. It's in uh, okay. New Zealand. And okay. um, get you uh, Nobilo. $14.99 is the best Savion Blanc you will ever have. Sounds like you got pinkies up over there. At, I, uh, hey, at listen, I, I know wine. My, my, you know, my, my family is a big 
big wine drinkers, but I would never <laughs> be caught dead saying vino. Well, here's here's the difference. Uh, give me some Kim Crawford Sav Blanc. You know, I think it's also New Zealand. That's the one my wife drinks. So, but you can get both of those at hmm. Sinkers. So go to Everywhere, Sinkers. Apparently, the uh, stream is cracking up, but it's not on our end. All right, good now though. It says so. Yeah. Uh, Tim, Tim. By the way, Tim, congratulations again on the new uh, edition. Uh, okay, so um, now I'll tell everybody go to Sinkers. Sign up for the in crowd. Uh, they'll track all your spending and they will of course reward you for the, their loyalty. They'll be loyal back to you. There's got some really cool prizes coming for you. Um, uh, special allocations, especially if you're a bourbon guy. So make sure you check that out, uh, or girl, I suppose. Uh, but, uh, go in there, check out sinkers again. Um, they're the ones who made that draft party happen. We got a lot of cool stuff planned for you guys coming up this summer. Okay. So, um, you have, so there's some personnel moves. It looks like Ryan Cowden, VP of player personnel is out for the Titans. So, some quick news at the top of the show here from a player personnel standpoint and some questions that I have not yet heard from Zach Lyons. Yes. Okay, so the Titans are hiring Falcons College Scouting Director Anthony Robertson as assistant GM per sources. He's second to get that title under Rand Carthon. Obviously, Brinker will handle the free agency, the salary cap. Robinson will handle the... Uh, the, the scouting operations. Uh, he's been around the Falcons for a while. Great, interesting story that I posted up on my Twitter about uh, how he was a Jeep salesman and how he uh, bugged Eric DaCosta about how to break into this business because he just wasn't happy. And he's like, well, you don't have a college degree and you've never coached football, so you can't do it. So he quits <laughs> his job, goes to a community college, and then starts coaching a local high school team and works his way up from there because this is what he loves to do. And uh, he's had a hand in scouting and or finding players because I wish I would have put and or because everybody's like, oh, it's not that hard to find Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones. But he had a hand in scouting Julio Jones and uh, Calvin Ridley, which are wide receivers. Please put that on your radar. That does matter because <laughs> as much as you want to say that it's not hard to do. People still passed on A.J. Brown, and the Titans didn't draft a wide receiver to the seventh round, so maybe a little harder than what you think. And, but he did have a hand in finding and, and scouting Devontae Freeman and Garrett uh, Grady Jarrett um, in the later rounds as well, which are have turned into be big finds for the Atlanta Falcons at different times. The Titans have also began restructuring Obviously, you said Ryan Cowden's Ryan Cowden is out. Max Curtis is the new player personnel coordinator. He was the coordinator for football admin and executive assistant to the executive vice president and GM last year. Bryce Wasserman is director of team strategy. He was staff counsel last year. And finally, Stretch is now director of football admin, football uh, development coordinator last year. One step closer to being a general <laughs> manager. Um, so those were the some of the stuff we wanted to get into. The Anthony Robinson thing is really awesome. I think he has future GM written all over his resume, all in his interviews and profiles, which is also good for compensatory picks later down the road. But it shows that Rand Carthon is targeting people like Chad Brinker and Anthony Robinson. That you're you're elevating people. Um, you know, I think you did a great job of laying out there that somebody has some experience finding wide receivers is probably a good thing for this organization moving forward. No matter how easy so, it no. may seem. No, some I think, teams make it really hard on themselves. <laughs> yeah, I think John Stride getting closer to GM role is probably good for the team. He's already, yeah. you know, in Vrabel's ear every single game. So, like, this guy knows what he's doing. 
uh, very well, very well liked on the the practice field by almost everybody. So, D good. I am also a Mets fan, so I'm going to blame the cracking of the YouTube on Buck Walter. So, yep. sounds like fault. it's a YouTube server problem. Not at least, well, at least the communications between Streamyard and YouTube after it leaves our broadcast. Um, so there's been a couple of different things that has popped up since the draft, and I'm gonna start with this one because this one is a two part question. And I I want to get your take as an observer of football, but also an observer of this team and its history, but also as a media member. Okay. And this was this is from a, a Jared versus Joe segment on 102.5, which is my favorite. 5 p.m. every Wednesday is my favorite thing to watch. <laughs> and they 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 Caroline asked each of them a question: Is there a quarterback controversy with Will Levis and Ryan Tannehill? And Jared, and the reason I want to ask the media side is because Jared says, well, NFL Network is talking like it is, and ESPN, Get Up, whatever, is talking like it is. So that means it is a quarterback controversy because other people outside of the local media are making it a controversy. Interesting. So okay. I want to get your take on both those. Okay, so as a football observer and observer of the Titans, is there a quarterback controversy? Yes. No, no. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what I'm asking. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, the, the no, answer is no. The, yeah, answer the answer is, is Ryan, no. The answer is Ryan Tannehill is the starting quarterback until he's not. There is no, but, but we all know what the path is here, whether it's at the end of the season, whether it's Will Levis beating him out in the course of the season, whether it's an injury, whether it's retirement, whether it's like we all know this is his, his swan song for the team, and he's the starting quarterback until proven otherwise, which is sort of how all NFL football players' lives work. You are the starter at your position until you're not. And that's just what it is. That's how the sport works. So, no. Now, when you ask from a media perspective, so, like, what makes Jared great at his job is that he his job is to set up a topic that has two distinct sides and for you in the car to be listening to have to choose a side. And that he goes all in on one side, which is also what all those talk shows on ESPN and Fox Sports and NFL Network, like, that's what they do, too. Because to keep you engaged, they, they, you have to be on a side, and then you need two people debating that side, which is also why Rex Road and Stillman work well in that segment, because it's just going to be an argument, and then you, as a listener, have to pick a side and therefore are not changing the channel. That is that, And their goal is for you to not change the channel. Not for Jared to be right, not for Joe to be right. Their goal is to keep you listening. Full stop. That's it. So, Does that mean? That mean, but does that what he's saying? The media dictates whether there's a controversy or not, despite the fact that there is no controversy. No, so that's so the way the reason I say all of that is to lay out the goals of ESPN and you know Fox Sports and 102.5 and 104.5 and every other. Their goal is not to ask the the question that is the smartest or the question that's the most realistic. Their goal is to ask the question that gets you engaged the most, right? Like it's not like if, if Mike, Vra if you gave Mike Vrabel truth serum and ran Carthon and they're, they're probably sitting there going like, well, no, we drafted Will Levis, Ryan Tannehill's our starter. And until Will Levis is better than Ryan Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill's our starter. That's it. It's not controversial or trade and, or, or trade him or cut him or whatever may happen. Or he get you know, he, maybe they remove his ACL too. I don't know. Like it, you just don't, you don't know. That's not a, battle in camp <laughs> yeah. like and so what jared's job is and what espn's job and what the media's job is 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 not that doesn't dictate what's happening in the facility 
it, the media is we're all out here having our own conversations about stuff. Like this is why I think Mike Vrabel was trolling us with Traylon Burks last year. Like I think I I think the whole asthma gate thing. I think he was like he was like, hey Rob, why don't you tell him that it was asthma? <laughs> okay, so but here's the other thing that that popped up on my news feed this morning, and then I retweet quote tweeted it and said to take off your two-tone blue glasses or there should be an age limit on who gets to vote in polls on Twitter. But there are a a large, large segment voting in a poll and in my replies saying that Derrick Henry is a top 10 running back in the entirety of the NFL history. What are your thoughts on that? Wow. Um, Geez, I'd have to really, I mean, my, my first response is probably not. Yeah, I mean, I got through like 15 right off the top yeah, like, like in con- my head. And then I, you know, I don't know what all order they're in, but there's at least 15 better running backs. Now, like, we're not talking peaks. You got to talk career. Like, you cannot, like, talk peaks. Like, I, okay, I like okay. That's, even, that's ridiculous. All right, here's a good example of where my head goes on this, because I, I hate top 10 lists. I hate GOAT debates, because I'm the kind of person who doesn't think that Tom Brady is clearly the greatest quarterback of all time. I just don't. I think he's, he's the one most of, accomplished quarterback. Yeah, exactly. And he's one of the the greatest on the top tier. I think it is impossible to compare eras and generations. How do you compare Gail Sayers and Jim Brown to Emmett Smith and Barry Sanders to Adrian Peterson? And how, how does Earl Campbell and Derrick Henry stack? Like Emmett Smith to me, Derrick Henry is a significantly better running back, in my opinion, than Emmett Smith. But the yes. numbers don't the numbers don't say that. So I my yeah, first... I wouldn't have put Emmett Smith in my top ten, but I've seen a lot of people do. I I agree with you, but like Marshall Falk, I think I think a guy that gets a bad rap is Curtis Martin. Nobody ever talks about Curtis really, Martin. Really, and... I mean, talk about availability, like that yeah. dude. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but like Derrick Henry has a chance to be in the top ten and get in that top ten position, but he's kind of on the wrong side of thirty to get there, and the odds are against them, but I think, you know, I think how about this? Here's what I would say. And this is what I, this is kind of the conversation about Derek Mason versus AJ Brown. Derek Mason's the greatest Titans receiver of all time. AJ Brown's the most physically gifted. Mm-hmm. I would say Derek Henry is one of the most physically gifted human beings to ever play the running back position in the history of the sport. Maybe one of the top 10 most physically gifted of any position. Maybe, like maybe I'd put like right. him, Aaron Donald, Terrell Owens would be like, like in there. Like, because again, Herschel Walker, Bo Jackson didn't have great careers, but they're two of the most physically gifted players to ever play the position. I would put Adrian Peterson on that list. I put Jim Brown yep. on that list, and I might put, you know, frankly, Earl Campbell might be on that list. But, but Derrick Henry's definitely in the top ten of that. Is he one of the top ten greatest running backs? Like, he's not better than Ladainian Tomlinson. No, I would take Marshall Falk over Derrick Henry. A lot of people are really dismissing Adrian Peterson's career too. I've seen in a lot Dude, of this stuff. Adrian like, Peterson is the freakiest of freak humanoids ever. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's kind of ridiculous. I just wanted to get your your takes on that. Yeah, we can yeah, get yeah. to the real stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would I would say he is uh, again. He is among the greatest running backs of our generation, mm-hmm. and that's all that really. That's the only way I think you could define players. Were you the best at your position? Among the best at your position during your playing career? Yes, that's how you should evaluate players. And Derrick mm-hmm. Henry is one of the best running backs on the planet during his career. Correct. That's it. All right. So that brings us to one of our main topics today, of course, on the show, brought to you by Sinkers and the Kingston Group, our two amazing and awesome local sponsors here, Zach. Uh, the defending champs, as we mentioned, Sinkers Beverages in East Nashville, Bluegrass up there in Hendersonville as well, Uber Eats, Search Sinkers uh, for all your beverages needs, 
all, all your beverages needs. They'll send the booze directly to your house. Send them. Uh, They'll drive so you can drink. Exactly. Better than I'll do the ad read. That's for sure. Uh, but a lot of sign up for the in crowd, of course, all kinds of VIP allocations, really beautiful store location, great floor, the whole deal, lots of selection. One of the best beer selections you'll see in town and a lot of cool prizes coming from them uh, as uh, again, the best liquor store in Nashville. I don't know where you, sh- why, why you wouldn't shop there. Uh, if you're, if you're shopping at the best possible store, buildkg.com for the Kingston group as well. Um, nose to tail operation. Just have a conversation with them before you make any big decisions about your house. The Kingston Group, Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm, award-winning, I might add, as well. All right, our main topic today on the show, we'll get to some Titans prospects a little bit later on, but um, and, and and maybe wrap around the AFC. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about some stuff. But um, quickly, like the main topic is, what did we learn from the Titans who spoke? Ryan Tannehill, Aaron Brewer, Chica Conquil, Roger McCreary. There's a lot of stuff about Keith Carter and the coaching staff, Zach. But I think the biggest takeaway from this is how different and new this Titans offense could be quote, big differences, huge changes, new routes, new ideas, new concepts. Um, Jacob Conquo said we're going to outflank some people. Aaron Brewer talked about getting in and out of the huddle faster. Um, your reaction to hearing all these guys kind of surprisingly being very open and candid about how different this offense is going to be for the Titans in 2023. Uh, super excited. And uh, first off, surprising that they were this candid because yeah. obviously they'll probably at least Chig and Aaron will probably never see, see the front of a microphone for a while. If any past uh, indications arise because, but I was also kind of surprised that Ryan Tannehill did the same thing. So maybe there is something to it. Maybe this is not a, this is the new era under Rand Carthon under Mike Vrabel. We're not afraid of what you may say out there because nobody really knows what's going to happen. You know, what does, you know, being having speed mean? What does me up tempo mean? That's not going to be any different than what most offenses run. Basically, what you're saying is that, hey, we're modernizing the way that this offense runs mechanically. And what I mean by that is like under the hood. How does it ran? Play calls coming faster, exiting the, the huddle faster, getting to the line of scrimmage faster, executing the play faster. That's what they meant by speed. I told everybody back at the Senior Bowl that Rand Carthon's message to everybody was to play quick, quick and violent. You want guys with good football instincts. That's what they mean by speed. I know everybody wants them to mean, I want the guy that runs a 4-2-40 that can go really deep, but that's not what they're talking about because they are gonna. They want these guys from this the time the ball is snapped to get to the position they're supposed to be in for this offensive play call to succeed as quickly as possible. And sometimes that means just being quick and being technically sound. It does not mean being fast. Well, instincts and and diagnostics all apply to how fast you play. Like you can run a four, two and not understand what you're seeing on the field. Racy McMahon. And and that's going to slow you down. Awan Taylor. So if you were to describe sort of what you expected the offense to be, or maybe even what it was under Todd Downing, like in a, in a schematic sense, and you're going to describe what you are projecting this offense to be, what what's the terminology you would use to describe? Because I, I love the terms outflank and in and out of the huddle and different, 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 all this other stuff. I think modernize is a good one, but I'm not, what exactly do you think that means when you actually, besides the, 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 the tempo and the pace and playing fast and, all that stuff we just talked about, what exactly, what does it mean that it's going to be so different? I think that you're going to see guys being used in correct ways. Um, I feel like that was a big issue last year when AJ Brown or not 
technically last year, but when we saw when AJ Brown went down, Nick Westberg Kine was treated like he was AJ Brown. That's not, you cannot run the same plays that you'd run with AJ Brown that you'd run with Nick Westberg Kine. You cannot run the same plays with Traylon Burks. If he's not playing with Nick Westberg Kine, you just can't do it. I'm sorry. I'm picking on Nick Westberg Kine, but you just can't do it. You can't treat Jeff Swaim like he's Johnny Smith. Like you, you, you have to use them correctly you, you that's just what you have to do so they're going to use them correctly put them in places to succeed but we have talked about the long developing pass plays over and over and over again with this team the routes take forever to develop and they when you have routes that take forever to develop with a piss poor pass blocking offensive line <laughs> it is a recipe for disaster and, and what they've and a- done and a couple of bad ankles at quarterback. <laughs> yeah, and what they have done is make it athletic across the board, not fast necessarily, athletic across the board with a focus on pass protection offensive line, and basically you're going to see quick routes, lots of crossers, lots of availability, lots of sitting in zones or taking advantage of the middle of the field a lot quicker than what they have been. They're not going to be trying to run these deep routes with Nick Westbrook and and Chris Moore on the outside. It's going to be guys crossing and making using leverage to their advantage. Uh, so, again, I, when you think about McVay and LaFleur and Arthur Smith and Todd Downing and now Tim Kelly – um, we certainly see the evolution of the offense. Um, I, I, I just am curious what that means out flank. Like, is that, is that about Taj? Is that, and we're going to talk about some of these players, but like Tajay Spears on quick out routes. Is it, is it using jet sweeps? Is it more of a, like a, like a spread that we thought about? I'll say something. God, fuck no more jet sweeps. <laughs> like, I mean, like no more jet sweeps. You didn't it, like, I have, I, I can't, I can't take it. No PTS more chicken Chica Conquo, Malik Willis, jet sweeps. <laughs> I no, I'm out. There is not there's not a guy on this team that can run a jet sweep besides Traylon Burks, and I don't want him running jet sweeps necessarily with the makeup of this team right now. He needs to be a threat down the field. And Tannehill kind of said this like get the ball out of my hand fast. Yes. Play action and, and like run the ball as well. Like he kind of said all the things. I just am I I am fascinated to know how different it is. I don't, I think we expected terminology to be, to be different. And I don't think this has a very big impact on I, I Will expect Levis, like terminology way. to be adjusted. Like, you know how it adjusts from coach to coach, even if it's the same scheme, but they kind of made it sound like it was going to be the same scheme with a few new wrinkles. Now it sounds like a totally different scheme with a few old wrinkles, a whole new offense. Everything's new. Yeah. The whole, uh, I mean, again, you still have Tannehill, you still have Henry, so you're not going to go too far away from what those two players do extremely well. Yeah, for now. For, <laughs> for now. You're not going to go too far away from what those two players do well. Traylon Burks being better. Kyle Phillips being healthy. Chica Conquo being more confident. He said that a lot was about his confidence and play speed was better. That's what you're talking about, right? Is you The more confident you are, the faster you know what you're seeing, and then you react faster, you play faster. That doesn't mean your 40 time changed. And so that that is it's it's being confident in your own abilities that Chickaconqua was very open about and actually had to take like a long pause before he actually answered that question. Clearly, very you know thinking through it very specifically. Um, I, I think Titans fans should be excited about all of this stuff. It, we have no idea if it works. I would argue that through the draft and free agency, every single position group on the offense has gotten better. Mm-hmm. Even the wide receiver core, technically, eh, technically, I, I think it's maybe the not same. 
Like okay. a lot of people say it's worse, but I technically think it's just the same. I mean, Chris Moore and you know uh, Colton Dowell and I mean, lose... are we really going to give Robert Woods yeah. a lot of credit for what he Robert did Woods. last year? Like, I, come on. I I personally like Robert Woods. I think he's I a good too, football player. But like, I'm talking about the people who think this team got worse at wide receiver. I think it's just the same. Like My... Robert Woods last year is the same. It can be easily replaced probably well and in this particular offense but again what will the offense look like is why i think it's exciting the quarterback room is clearly better Tannehill had to answer those questions again he's like deja vu all over again and you know he he doesn't really tell you what i like about Tannehill is he'll tell you some really critical pieces of information and then when he's not when he doesn't want to talk about it he won't talk about it he doesn't talk about his contract situation he didn't talk about what was said in the meeting with Rand carthon you know he's he's here to play football you know with <laughs> with, with will levis in the background but the quarterback room is better. The tight end room is better. The running back room is better. The offensive line room is better. So I think Titans fans should be excited about this. Um, speaking of the offensive line, Zach, <laughs> um, not too many nice words for Keith Carter, which I don't think was uh, all that unexpected, but quote, super aggressive uh, was what Aaron Brewer had to say about him. My way or the highway, another cliche he used about uh, Keith Carter uh, it very clearly a different vibe and energy in the offensive line room with Haas now coaching up that group. Yeah, very clearly nobody liked. <laughs> I don't. I mean, at this point, you kind of wonder and and kind of tilt your head to the side and wonder why did Mike Vrabel let him be here this long, and did Mike Vrabel not know what was going on? Which kind of raises like some peculiar like ancillary questions that probably really don't matter in the big scheme of things but it does make you think it's like hmm they like because you think the whole dylan raiden's fiasco dennis daly starting the whole season like you would think that mike vrabel would be able to sniff out the bullshit but like maybe <laughs> well, v- vrabel's got that he's got that old school sort of like my way or the highway vibe too yeah, so did J-Rob, so frankly. It's weird. Like, I mean, like any respected respected football coach should know that Dennis Daly is not good. But then you I, have GM Monty Austin Fort signs him to a contract. So, you know, what the <laughs> fuck do I know, I guess? Uh, <laughs> How about this? Haas is a human being who yeah. has the ability to communicate and listen to other human beings in a human way. That was that's, a big thing, right? Because he says Aaron, that Aaron Brewer, there's a lot of give and take. Uh, Aaron Brewer says there's a lot of give and take, a lot of open communication between him and Coach Haas, and there's been open communication between Coach Haas and Jalen Duncan, open communication at pro days all the way across America. And you got to say it, I know it could just be blowing smoke up our ass, but it was the best interview of any of the coaches (laughs) that Mike Vrabel had. And sometimes that matters. It's a lot easier to go to work and want to do your job for a guy that is pretty fucking good to you. Like, I mean, if the guy that you don't want to fight and go to war for a guy like Mike or like Keith Carter. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you do for the rest of your team, but it's kind of hard. Like it's kind of like when you go to school and then, you know, all the fourth graders have different teachers, you know, different classrooms, different teachers, and you get the good homeroom. Like if your homeroom is the fun one, you get a little treat in the morning Maybe you get like some activities while you're waiting for class to start and all this stuff. And then you go to the other guy where like, you just got to do your homework. Have you done your homework? You got to sit there and be quiet, you know, for 10 minutes. 
I don't know. Like, <laughs> doesn't it seem like it's kind of like that for the offensive yeah. linemen these last few years? No, I, I, I agree. And sometimes you can swing too far the other direction, right? Like John Robinson was clearly like a disciplinarian, you know, walking around military drill sergeant style in the practice field with a whistle and a chaw. And now you got Rand Carthon, who's all about his feelings and communication and collaboration. And so this is clearly swinging from a, a, a disciplinarian to a player's coach. And sometimes you can go too far, but sometimes even going too far is still better than what it was before. And so I, I think there's a clear improvement in on the offense. I think schematically, personnel-wise, the coaching staff is different at every position on the team except for uh, the wide receiver room. Um, we can get to McCreary here just as uh, in, a, in a second. But, you know, I think losing Ben Jones and going to Brewer is a pretty big step, but they're clearly very confident the way they offered him, you know, with the offer sheet and – Moving him there, the $2 stake thing, like just tough as nails, kind of a Vrabel guy. I mean, the two games um, that he started at center, he didn't allow a single pressure. Yeah, so I think... Or I, no, and, I think he left like a handful of pressures, but zero sacks. But he, I mean, either way, I mean, obviously you can't say that he's going to come in and, you know, do that the whole season. But if you're talking about the way that the makeup of the offensive line looks, I would expect... 10 less sacks blamed on the offensive line and 10 less <laughs> pressures blamed on the offensive line. And you know what that gets you? The 18th best offensive line. That's how that's how easy it is to see yeah. significant improvement. Yeah. And doesn't the 18th best offensive line make it to the playoffs last probably, year? Well, with this defense and, and a healthy Tannehill, probably. Um, I, here, here's what I would say about the, the Jones thing. I do think that we are... While there's a lot of reasons to like Aaron Brewer in his role and to trust Vrabel and the staff and, and the new coaching staff and all this new the new pieces around him, I do think Ben Jones, there not as much has been made of like the instincts and the the pre-snap reads and the play calling that a center does that Ben Jones has done and exhibited for this franchise for a long time. I don't maybe Aaron Brewer is eventually better than Ben Jones as the season progresses, but I cannot see him being better than Ben Jones at the start of the year. So we shall see about that move but certainly everybody seems luckily, way happier that keith carter's not around <laughs> luckily it was released today by broadway sports media owned justin mellow that peter skaronsky's penciled in a left guard yeah, which baby. means that andre dillard is left tackle that means that your center is aaron brewer which we know daniel brunskill's right guard and npf is right tackle going in to training camp they 100 have their starting offensive line yep. set it's a fucking miracle <laughs> and, <laughs> and, we'll, and that we'll will help to... aaron brewer right that will help speed yeah. up this entire yeah. offensive line but that will eventually that means that your day one training camp offensive line and your day one game offensive line are the same hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> all right yeah. um we'll, we'll do some rapid fire here with the players and uh that they drafted spears wiley duncan and and powell but uh, quickly, I thought the only thing I really took away from McCreary in Aconquo is sort of maturation process into being a professional. Um, and I think that's confidence for Aconquo. That's sort of health. No more baked and, beans. And, yeah, no more baked beans for McCreary. So not a ton to learn there from those guys. Hanging out with Kevin Byard is a positive step. I know learning from Kevin Byard all offseason is probably Hanging a good out with thing. Kevin Byard facility is a is a positive step since kevin buyer's not showing up to any of this stuff <laughs> but, hey true. keep your head in the stand i guess everybody <laughs> um all right uh tajay spears um two two acl tears that's a while ago he's been healthy for two years but no acl which apparently a lot of players have well not a lot more than we expected uh mark burnell famously a lot did of not soccer have players i didn't know which that is, um, again very interesting <laughs> mark burnell famously did not have an acl um, so there is some concern long-term about the health of the knee, 
but there's not really any concern short term. And I think ex- let's set some expectations for each one of these uh, players here as we kind of go through the, the other four. If you want to hear about our thoughts on Levis, you got football and other efforts. You got the Monday edition of, of a football show brought to you by Sinkers and Kingston Group um, and Skaronsky as well. We've got two, dip- two pods already about that. So let's focus real quickly here on these four guys in the back half of the draft. And I, I do think you've been heavy, high on Spears for a very long time. I'm big on Spears as well. I think this is a guy who's a, an immediate contributor. Uh, Dontre Hilliard had about four touches per game at about 350 yards. I think if you look at a miniature, not a miniature physically, but like Aaron Jones from Green Bay Light, a guy that's not going to get a heavy workload, that's going to be a complementary piece that allows them to play faster with Derrick Henry as a complementary piece on the same field at the same time but also then can take over for Derrick Henry in 2024. I think he plays all 17 games and could be one of their more dynamic pass catchers and could score five, six, seven touchdowns and be a very, very solid contributing member of the offense. I think that should be the expectation for Tajay Spears because the guy can play football. He's, well, he's a good football player. Considerable role. I, I mean, I don't see how he's not running back two on the depth chart um, right away, to be honest with you. I know how... Mike Vrabel plays those games to frustrate everybody. But I mean, he's just clearly a better talent than Hassan Haskins as a prospect. Yes. With with they both came out this in this year's draft at the same time, Ty J. Spears would still be your running back five, and Hassan Haskins would be somewhere down the road because I mean Ty J. Spears is a top five running back post ACL tear. Post not having an ACL both seasons, he was a top five running back. Go to Beta Wall. So it does not <laughs> it, it, yeah. He's fucking injured and hurt currently is a fallacy. He's not currently injured. He's not currently hurt. Uh, he's maybe he's playing with like one toe tied behind his back or something. I don't know. <laughs> no, what, that's, what no, that's Levis. That's Levis. Yeah, this is, it's, it's utterly ridiculous. I look at with a more shift in work share towards Derrick Henry, um, towards him, Dante Foreman, Deontay Foreman and, Dontrell Hillard and their work share when Derrick Henry went down would be what your expectation should be. Yep. Um, Now Derrick Henry is going to get a little bit more of that share pushed his way because he, as he should, but why couldn't you have maybe a Spears timber and a D Henber in the same season? Just throwing it out there. Oh, come on with that crap. Um, Listen, Skaronsky starting all 17 should be expectations. Uh, Will Levis, starting in 2024 should be expectations. Tajay Spears is one of the only other players in this draft class that is absolutely expected to contribute in every game in 2023. There's no question about that. And I think he does the things that we have sort of long, this this team has been looking for. They drafted Hassan Haskins in the fourth, Darrington Evans in the third. They've been looking for the complimentary piece to Henry for a long time. They also know they need a, a, a succession plan behind Henry. And now we're talking about the offense. We just got done talking about this, like speed, tempo, outflanking people, et cetera, et cetera. This is what Spears brings to that offense. And you don't have to be a starter RB1 to still be a contributor who touches the football a whole lot. There's lots of two-back backfields exactly. in the NFL. So. I mean, you, you Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon. Before that is Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams. You have everybody in San Francisco that's ever touched the ball in the running back backfield. <laughs> the Shanahan offense is all about just plugging in people. But I go back to the Alabama offense, and you talk about all the running backs. I mean, from 2008 to 2022 – Maybe these last two years are a little shaky because they've gone more senior transfer heavy. But it used to be 
the old guard and the new guard right behind them. Glenn Coffey, Mark Ingram, Mark Ingram, yep. Trent Richardson, Mark Ingram, Trent Richardson, Trent Richardson, Eddie Lacy, Eddie Lacy, TJ Yeldon, TJ Yeldon, Kenyon Drake, TJ Yeldon, Derek Henry, Derek Henry, Kenyon Drake, Damian Harris, Bo Scarborough, Damian Harris, Bo, Bo Scarborough, Damian Harris, Josh Jacobs, Najee Harris, Brian Robinson, Najee Harris, Brian Robinson. Like all those guys <laughs> got drafted. Man, There's not a, a single undrafted. I think was uh Bo Scarborough, he may have been undrafted. I, no, I think how, he went late, but yeah, but like what are those guys? They're all drafted and yeah. it works. Like this stuff works, and you should be happy that you do not you are not tying yourselves to another bad running back contract. And yeah. let's be honest, the Derrick Henry contract is only bad because it got messed with by John Robinson. And you should have paid Derrick Henry because Derrick Henry is a freak of nature at the running back position. I, I, honestly, the A.J. Dillon, who is a 250-pound between-the-tackle bruiser, uh, and the Aaron Jones comp is actually exactly what you want. I just think you switch the roles. Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard. You just switch the roles, right? Like, A.J. Dillon is the number two, and Aaron Jones is the number one. You just They're the exact same players, Henry and Spears. You just switch the roles, and Henry's the number one. Spears is the number two. Josh Wiley, of course, um, which is, again, they were targeting a tight end that could play between Chigakonkwo and Wesco. Wesco's the blocker. Chig is the star. Do they have somebody who can do a little bit of both? And they go get a guy like Wiley, who I think uh, is technically a, a tight end one at his position. That is not tight end one on the team, but a big athletic guy with a lot of size who played off the line a little bit, a lot more at Cincinnati. He needs to work on his inline blocking, but this is a big guy at six, seven that can move around in the field and can catch passes and can kind of fit that between role of Wesco and Aconquo. If you have a dart throw to throw at any position in the later rounds on day three, that dart throw should totally go to your super athletic tight ends. It is just proven by data that essentially, and I wish I could find the tweet and credit the right person, but essentially what they said that if you want if you want a high hit rate in your day three picks, athletic tight ends is where you spend your pick. And it works. Chig was an athletic late round tight end. Uh, George Kittle was another guy with great, you know, great, great tape. These are the guys where you want to do your dart throws to have the best chance of hitting a bullseye. And I think that with the way that this team is currently constructed, because they knew that this team was not going to be able to find the appropriate pieces for wide receiver in the free agency class and in this draft class. They could not find the value. So they're going to run a lot of 12 personnel, which requires the tight end to be on the two tight ends to be on the field. And they're going to be throwing them the ball more than likely. So they need athletic pass catchers. And Trevon Wesco, unfortunately, is not that. They need an extra running back. They need all the pass catchers to get it. And I get that's not a wide receiver. That is the the going theme in this draft. I understand it's not a wide receiver, but the wide receiver values, according to the NFL, were not there in these day three rounds. Yeah. Um, uh, what's interesting is I think you could expect him to make a few big critical plays mm -hmm. on, in the passing game in like the last five or six weeks of the season. I think yeah. that's where you can look for him to grow into his role. And then next year, it's him and Chig as sort of like the, the one-two tight end punch, right? I mean, contributor, I think that's the best. Yeah. Contributor in 2023, starter in 2024. Yep. Uh, Jalen Duncan, of course, very athletic. Tackle out of Maryland, 6'6". Pedigree, played a lot of games at Maryland. This guy's got a ton of upside. He was uh, probably drafted much later than a lot of his sort of early projections would have said. Um, I, to me, the expectations for him, and again, we're talking about six, fifth, sixth, seventh round players here, so they should not be all that high. 
if he is their fourth tackle at the end of camp and makes the roster, I think that means it's a good draft pick. And I think that means he's got the potential to grow and build on, on what is a pretty athletic set of traits. Well, he's number number. He was number 92 in Jeremiah's top 100. Um, he was the final top 100 player and he was drafted in the sixth round. So there's tremendous value. And I think most consensus boards would say the same, that this was a tremendous value pick. He's ultra athletic. He has the desired length. You'd want to tackle. I think that maybe his best days ahead of him are either a right tackle or right guard, but Duke Manyweather, he's been trading, uh, training with him who runs the O-line masterminds, who works with all the top offensive lines, including Peter Skronsky. They trained together. And he said that I will, he told Daniel, Daniel Jeremiah, he wouldn't be surprised if we look down years in the future, if he doesn't end up being the best offensive lineman in this class, improvements need to be made, but it sounds like he's going in the right direction, which that's all that matters is going in the right direction for a six-round pick. And much like Josh Wiley, I predict that he will be a contributor this year, unfortunately, because the injuries do happen. But next year, he will be a starter. And if NPF does not improve, I would look at him. If Andre Dillard is not what he wants, he could be on that side. And if Daniel Brunskill has moved on as well, he could be there. I think the only position he's not playing is center and left guard. Every other position is open for the future of Jalen Duncan. Yeah, I think that's I think that's all about right. Uh, Colton Powell, of course, six three two twelve, and I know uh, that uh, I, listen, he's a special teamer. I don't think expectations should be all that high for any receiver, but he is again. And I'll get to a I'll wrap up all of these players with a singular point here in just a second. But um, I know Emery Hunt's very high on this. I heard you guys talking about that on F words. Make sure you check that out. Stack in the inbox as well. Um, but I asked Emery Hunt. I said, Hey, um, you know, is this a combination of Nick Westbrook's size, dependability, and racing mass, straight line speed? And he said, I think he's a more fluid version of Nick Westbrook and a better, more natural receiver than Racy McMath, which are the two things that those two players are missing. So if you have found a middle ground, I don't think it's crazy. Again, let's not go nuts here with a seventh round receiver, but he's very, very athletic. And I think he's a guy that could absolutely be the receiver number five by the time the season rolls around. And I think that should be expectations for fans. Not a lot of receptions. Chris Moore, Racy McMath are not making this team because Colton Dow did. That's okay. all you need to know. And okay. like, I, I think as a fan base, that is a good thing for a rookie to push one of those guys out of there. And if my, my money is going to be on, that's going to be racing my math. I don't think racing my math is making this, this final 53. I know you've got a, a San Francisco 49er comp for Jawan Jennings, baby. Another seventh round pick. Who's a big, maybe not as athletic, but he is a big guy who comes in and does what is asked and does what is needed. And you know the guy that drafted Jawan Jennings is the same guy that drafted <laughs> and scouted Colton Dow. So I think that if you are a UT fan that was clamoring for a UT player to be on this team, you got the, the about the fuck most closest thing that you could get <laughs> to a to a Jawan Jennings on this team. So I know we promised you like two major teases in the show, which is uh Zach has something positive to say about another team in the division, and I have a, a gambling take that uh, maybe we can get to here in a second, but I just want to wrap up the the these these players with one common theme, and that is the RAS scores, the athleticism, the analytics on these guys are all very similar. Even Will Levis, even Skaronsky, very athletic guys that are all high on the relative athletic score. And we were talking about pace and difference and off offense and tempo and speed. Um, I believe the numbers are the 27th and 30th slowest offenses in the NFL the last, last two years. years. 
under Todd Almost Downing. taking up a full 30 seconds per play. And what was the last year of Arthur Smith's career as the offensive coordinator? How fast was fourth. this offense? Fourth, fourth fastest. Fourth and then the Tim Kelly was uh, with Deshaun Watson was 15th and 12th fastest. So, so we are talking about all of these draft picks, all of the commentary from the players, all of the changes that they have made in the offseason. It all leads to fast, 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 speed, tempo, offense, offense, offense. And that is what they addressed this offseason. So far, so good. Who knows if any of these guys are going to actually play? I don't know. Um, we're going to go a lot deeper into um, the division real fast, but I just want you to I'm, I want you to make one bold statement that no human being has ever heard uttered out of your mouth about the rest of the AFC doing their draft. Chris Ballard had a really good draft, and maybe <laughs> Frank Reich was the problem all along. <laughs> that one hit, that one hurts on the inside a little bit. No, it does. It? it hurts so bad. Uh, I think Houston had a great draft as well. I love a lot of the late picks. Uh, I love Stroud and Anderson. Jacksonville, no idea. There's a couple nice players in there, but I'm not really sure what Jacksonville was doing. So <laughs> I have no clue what Jacksonville was doing. I think they were overvaluing their current roster and make it. I think they think that their roster is going to stay exactly the same in yeah. terms of health and luck and production, even though all of that are outliers. You're, um, I was watching the Colts names go off the board. Julius Brent's in the second round. I know you're not a huge Josh Downs guy, but Blake Freeland, eight, eight defensive lineman, uh, Darius rush. And it's like all your favorite players and they all yeah. end up in Indianapolis. And I just, it's like you're a fever dream taking place up there. And we're going to have to say positive things about Chris Ballard. If it all works out, so. they probably subscribing to stack in the inbox.com. I probably yep. like did all that. There you go. I also love the Toto pick. Um, Xavier Hutchinson, Jarrett Patterson for Houston late. Offensive a lot line. of uh, senior bowl participants, by the way. I, I really I really like, I think it's Colts 1A, Texans 1B, Titans, depending on what happens to Levis, number three, and then Jacksonville 4, if you're asking. So. Jackson is a distant, distant fourth. One of the worst yeah. drafts of the entire NFL. All right, real fast, we'll wrap up here on the show. Uh, Sinkers Beverages, Kingston Group. There is an Alabama story about the Alabama baseball coach that has been fired. And the the entire story took place takes place over six days on Friday. A a, a, a U.S. integrity betting web uh, betting company in Las Vegas flags the LSU Alabama baseball game because of some strange bets taking place at Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati. ESPN reports all of this by Monday and by Thursday. The head coach of the Alabama baseball team, who was entering last weekend with a chance to compete for a division championship in a in the best conference in college baseball, has lost his job. Oh, by the way, also being sued by a former player for mistreatment, but that's neither here nor there. Lost his job in six days. The system worked. I'm all for victimless crimes being regulated and free in this country. Give us oversight for sex workers and drugs and gambling. I'm fine with all of it. Let us make our own decisions up. This is America, for God's sakes. Because this right here shows you how good the system can work. There's no shaving points. There's none of this garbage is happening. Like, this guy took a pitcher out and changed the rotation. Then some big bets were placed in a totally different state. And five days later, he is fired. The system works. Oversight works. Regulation works. Gambling is fine in this country. Stop worrying about it. Also, if you uh, also follow the fucking rules. They're, they're simple. <laughs> right. You, if you're an you NFL deserve player, punishment if you do not follow the rules. No matter how stupid right. the rule is, if your workplace has a stupid rule in place and you don't follow it, you're subject to get fired. Cry to look, someone else. Look, if a gambling These Alabama company, coaches that aren't Nick Saban are really driving me fucking nuts. If a gambling company comes and buys my company and tells me that I can't use racial slurs on the air and then I use racial slurs on the air, I'm going to get fired. Yeah. 
That's just following the rules. No, I'm I, football players can't be gambling on football. I get it. That's it. Basketball players shouldn't be gambling on basketball. That's it. It's not that complicated. It's it's just it's just really not. And again, I'm I was actually uh, this whole entire story gives me peace and calm that like gambling's going to be just fine. Yes, there's an addiction element to this, just like cigarettes or milkshakes or hamburgers or fried food or alcohol or whatever else, all of which is totally legal in this country for you to consume as an adult, as long as you are informed about the consequences of your actions. I think this is actually a really great story about how the system works. Not great for Alabama baseball, which, no. by the way, there's a whole lot of shit going on with Alabama right now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so the assistant athletic the football program, the football program is the only one that's fine right now. Everybody yeah. else wild crazy shit happening in Alabama. So go check out Sinkers. Go check out Kingston Group. We appreciate them. Uh, go check out Stacking the Inbox, F-Words Pod as well. You can get to all the other great shows across the 440 Sports Network. We'll see you guys at Jodas Park this weekend. Otherwise, have a good one, folks. For Zach, I'm Braden. This has been a football show.